Welcome to the Bible Answer Show, a live and lively forum that brings together pastoral and apologetic voices from across the Christian community to answer your scripture questions. Our show is hosted by Pastor Michael Lance of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, along with a panel of pastors and other invited guests. The phone lines are open now. So, you've got questions, we've got answers on today's Bible Answer Show. Hello and welcome to the Bible Answer Show. It is 12 o'clock on Tuesday. Time to answer your Bible questions. The number here is 1-800-227-5278. That's how you get your questions answered. It's 1-800-227-5278. I'd like to welcome you guys to the show. Thank you for joining us. If you're new to the show, you have found the Bible Answer Show, where we answer your Bible questions. I personally don't answer them. The team that's surrounding the table with me answers them. Except today. Except today. Oh, I guess I'm answering them today, according to Pastor Brian. Speaking of which, to my left is Pastor Brian Richards. How are you today? Good, Good, good. Your beard's growing in really nicely, man. Yeah, my wife hates it. Really? Mm -hmm. Cool. Big cause of contention right now. (laughs) You know how you fix that, Brian? I don't want to know. Get the razor. (laughs) Sitting across from me is Mighty Joe Kelly. How are you today? Hey, I'm good, Cameron. All new dynamic here, right? Yeah, I, are, are, in what way? Are we considering that, that we're missing our rudder, or or we're uh, the whole ship? The whole we're missing the whole ship. No. Yeah, we're going down. <laughs> <laughs> and sitting to my right is Patrick pa- pa- Pastor Coach Chris Van Hook. Lost my ability to speak for a second there. I have no words to say. What. <laughs> Jesus is our rudder. Let's yes, remember that. Yes, but we is. do miss Pastor Michael today um, and his uh, expertise and his knowledge. And uh, But he's out today, so uh, we're leaving it to the three of us. Awesome. Sounds good. Number here, 1-800-227-5278. Get those calls in early, 1-800-227-5278. While we wait for callers to come in, let's go to the grab bag here. We've got a question from Paul. Got to get my mic out of the way so I can read the question. So Paul says in Acts seventeen eighteen, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, "What in this is Jesus or uh, Paul?" Sorry. Um, some of them asked, "What is the babbler trying to say?" Others remarked, "He seems to be advocating foreign gods." They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So the question is, did these philosophers think that the resurrection in and of itself was a god or some kind of deity? I can understand them thinking Jesus is such, but why the resurrection per se? Well, you know, it, the question is asking about, uh, did, did they think, the Epicureans and Stoics, think that the resurrection was a deity? No, they didn't. They were questioning what the teaching was. You know, the Epicureans' uh, philosophy was sort of like that. What was that, that song? Uh, Don't worry, be happy. You know, <laughs> Epicureans were... They were the, the Epicureans sang that? They, well, they didn't sing it, oh. but their whole idea was to sort of remove uh, human desires and, and just sort of relax and live in harmony and peace with their surroundings. Uh, it actually has sort of maybe elements of uh, that are, are similar to Buddhism. So, you know putting off desires. So the Epicureans were one school and the Stoics were another, and they, they highly valued rationalism and thinking things through and not getting too upset a bit about things. And, you know, when we see somebody, we say, you know, they have a, they have a Stoic demeanor, you know, almost like they, they don't show any emotion. So they were really curious, you know. 
each school of thought had different ideas about the gods, but they didn't believe in a resurrection, and the Epicureans certainly didn't believe in an afterlife. They thought once, uh, once you died, that was it. So here, Paul comes along. He's teaching about this man who was crucified, buried, and rose again bodily, and it was, a, you know, it was just very foreign to them, and they wanted to know more. And as you read further into Acts, you see how Paul addresses these uh, philosophers, and he points out that you know, your desires are ultimately fulfilled in the one who uh, gives all life, breath, and meaning to our existence. So it, it's a really interesting exchange there. It is, and uh, I think you hit that right in the head there, Joe. They were asking the question, may we know what this new teaching is? Right. You can imagine, number one, monotheism, in a sense, was new to them. They may have understood that that's what Jewish people believed in, but like you said, they're more used to talking about gods. But here's what I love. Remember that Luke is, is very detailed and, and considered one of the greatest historians of all time. And there's a parenthetical statement here in verse 21. It says, All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking right. about and listening <laughs> to the latest ideas. Right. And I just think that's so great because I think it's a little sarcasm here that, you know, here were guys, and I, I don't think he means that it's wrong to sit and discuss ideas because we would agree that that's a good thing to do to sit and discuss ideas and to talk through things. And that's kind of, you know, one of the ways we learn. But the fact that they did nothing else, I think, was was kind of the key here. Because you can sit and listen to all the ideas that you want to, and then you can become so confused you don't know what you believe about anything, and you certainly aren't going to take, you know, actions on, on anything you believe here. And now here's Paul coming in with this new teaching about the gospel, which really demands that you take an action. Absolutely. And that action is, are you going to accept or reject this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, dying for your sins so that you can have eternal life with God? And you know, Coach, what's interesting, uh, we have Pastor Brian here in, uh, in studio, and he's teaching in our Truth Academy a class on doctrine and theology. And so as you point out the fact that they sit around doing nothing except telling or hearing something new, right? They're trying to evaluate the world. It really goes, it's, it's kind of sad. It goes to the fact that the human mind, unenlightened, will come up with all kinds of philosophies. Mm. And, and, and I know, as in, in Pastor Brian's class, they'll talk about general revelation, that which everybody has access to. And then there's special revelation where... God deals directly with humanity and reveals himself in a special way. And here is Paul saying, I have the special revelation that your unenlightened minds will never come to the truth without what I can mm. tell you. Mm. I think you guys answered the question well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they were elevating the resurrection as a deity. I just think it was something brand new to, to their thinking. I wanted to point this out because... Um, depending on your perspective, you either look at this passage as, wow, Paul did something amazing, or you look at it like, wow, Paul failed. You mm. know, because it says at the end, only a few people believed, few people wanted to hear some more about it, and then most of them just kind of brushed him off. But I, I heard um, one of my old seminary pro professors say about this passage that, Paul was addressing some of the most brilliant minds of the time. So imagine 
being in a room with the top atheists, the top scientists who, who are agnostic and skeptical. So the, the top thinking unbelievers in the world, imagine getting them all in a room and you get to share one thing with them. You know, how many of them do you think you'll, you'll convince exactly. to become Christians yeah. right then and exactly. there? And Paul actually did convince some of them uh, to, to follow Christ in that moment, which mm-hmm. I think was just an incredible triumph. The, the truth of the gospel, and, and, and look at his method. You know, when, when, uh, when the apostles were addressing uh, Jews... And they were all throughout the book of Acts, and especially in chapter 17, 18, and 19. And when Paul specifically is addressing the Jews as a missionary, how does he evangelize? He preaches the fulfillment of the, of the Old Testament. He preaches the fulfillment of prophecies that the Messiah has come. Yet when he addresses, like you said, Pastor Brian, the most brilliant philosophers here, he goes back to reason and rationality and says that Jesus himself is the one in him we live and move and have our being because the the scriptures themselves wouldn't mean anything to the to the Greek mind to the Stoics or the Epicureans because they didn't hold Jewish scripture as authoritative Mm -hmm. yeah all right, the number here is 1-800-227-5278. Get your calls in, 1-800-227-5278. Right now, we are going to go to Art in L.A. Art, you are on with the Bible Answer Show. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you again for taking my call. hope you're going to be on this program for a long time. Mm-hmm. But my question for today is this. The Bible says this. It says when you... A look you will find, and when you ask, you will receive. My question is this. If we look at the total numbers that a lot of people really need, for instance, especially nowadays, we have a lot of health problems, you know, pain, aches, no matter what it is. And I'm pretty sure they're praying very hard, you know, that God will intervene here. But it does not seem to be all the time. Now, if, if it is not being materializing with a person, how do you, uh, how you call it, describe this? Why is it not? Because, of course, because they, of course, depend on when I ask, you know, hopefully this particular suffering will, will be taken care of. So, uh, you know, I see so many people, and, and they're very devout people, and they're really praying. As a matter of fact, in, in some cases, it even became worse, you know, the pain and aches and whatever. So... Uh, this is just a question. It's very deep. I don't know. I uh, Maybe, uh, can you clarify this? Yeah. Hi, Art. This is Pastor Brian here. Um, great question. This is a common question that people have trying to reconcile the Christian life. You have these audacious things that Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Ask anything in my name. It'll be done. All things are possible with God. How do you reconcile that with the fact that we ask for things and we don't get them? Um, and, and it's an, it's an age old question. And I don't know if there's an easy answer to that, um, because God is mysterious. We don't understand everything about God, why he does things the way that he does. We, we know by faith that he's good and he's wise and every, everything he's going to accomplish is going to be good. 
but why he doesn't answer some of our prayers, you know, is, is really beyond me. Um, this is what I would say, Art, is if there's one side we should err on, err on the side of believing in God that all things are possible. Even if that request doesn't end up coming true, I would, instead of basing my theology on what's not answered, I would base my theology on what God's Word says. Mm -hmm. He tells us to ask. He tells us to seek. He tells us to believe. And so as a Christian, I want to be obedient to that, Mm -hmm. Um, even if all of my requests are not answered. Yeah, that's that's a great answer, Brian. I, I think I'll, I'll one little correction though, and, and I know what you meant. Our prayers are all answered. It's just they're not answered always the way we want them to be yeah. answered. So, uh, you know, just to clarify that, and I, and and I would agree. And Pastor Brian, I've had these conversations before. We're we're both kind of take the approach of you know we know that what we ask may not actually happen, but we choose to believe that if God places something in our hearts to ask for, we should just ask for it and believe that that's what God's going to do. Now, how do you reconcile it if something doesn't happen you ask for? And, and it is hard, but I think there's a couple of principles that we need to remember. One is that God's um, answers for us concern our eternal life, not just our temporal life. And so sometimes an answer may not be what we want it to be because only he knows what's good for us in terms of eternity. Uh, and so, you know, it's especially true when we ask for things like healing and that, and we, we ask for healing and it doesn't happen, but we have to remember that he's more concerned about what's, you know, true for eternity than, than just temporal. And yet James turns around and tells us sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. So we need to just be faithful in asking believing that God will do what's best for us. And I think that's the most important part, to know so many things that I ask for. And Art, you probably could could agree with this. I'm sure there's things in your life that you asked for, and you look back now and you go, thank you, God, that you didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted you to, because we don't know what's up ahead. We don't always know what's best for us. And yet God does place you know things in our hearts to pray for, And I think mostly as Christians, you know, when people come to us and ask, you know, would you pray for my healing? Our hearts go out to them. And of course, we want to see them healed. If people come and they have a financial need, we want that to be, Mm -hmm. you know, um, taken care of. We want their provision there. Um, But ultimately, when we ask, we ask in faith, believing that God will do what's best. If you look at Matthew 7, 7 uh, through 9, there what you were bringing up here, Art. In verse 9, he says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? So we know one thing, that that God is not going to give us something that's not going to be good for us. Mm -hmm. That's his point. That whatever he does and however he answers will be what is perfect and good good for us. I agree. And what do you two think of the idea? You know, sometimes people, when we look at in John chapter 14, and, and Jesus is talking about, uh, being one with the Father, and he says, whatever you ask in my name, mm-hmm. this I will do. And I think we have a tendency to use that as a formula, mm-hmm. as if, yeah. we, if we just throw Hashtag. Jesus' name at the end, it therefore uh, validates our mm-hmm. request, and God has to do it. Instead of viewing it that when, he, when he's saying, you're asking in my name, you're asking because of the thor- authority that I have. I think it's yeah, because you're pronouncing his name wrong. 
That's why you're not receiving. Oh, <laughs> I got the formula wrong. You got wrong. the formula wrong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of say hashtag in Jesus' name, and people do use it that way, and that's unfortunate. And I think you hit on something there, in his authority. And remember that the name of a person in that culture uh, it was so important. It represented everything about that person. Identification. And, and, and so, you know, I always tell people, when we say in Jesus' name, we're talking about really what's in his will, because he is the authority, and it shows mm-hmm. that we are trusting in him, not in our own faith. You see, faith must have an object. It must have an object. We cannot have faith in our faith. It has to be faith in Jesus. My faith and trust in Jesus is I know when I ask, and I and I ask in, in, in believing that God's going to do what I'm asking him to do because I usually believe that that's why he's put it on my heart, but I know that doesn't always happen. So I ask in faith, knowing and trusting that he will do the best thing. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's by accident this morning. I was uh, doing my morning devotion, and I'm reading Matthew 17, Hmm. where um, a, a boy is brought to the disciples who, who has this demon inside of him, and this demon causes him to fall into the fire and convulse and all that stuff, and the disciples are not able to cast out the demon. And Jesus um, gets a hold of the boy, casts out the demon, the demon you know, leaves the boy, the boy goes back to being himself, he's healed, etc., and they, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith, because of your lack of faith. Uh, for truly I say to you, and then he says again, one of these audacious things, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I think what Jesus is always trying to get us to do is to trust him more is to believe him for more. So Art, I would always encourage you to err on the side of faith, err on the side of believing, even if it doesn't come true, because that's what Jesus tells us to do. Amen. I would also add, and, and you guys kind of mentioned it, is is keep your eyes open when you pray, because my experience has always been he doesn't necessarily answer it. Like, for example, I wanted to grow in my knowledge of the Bible and my faith, and then that's how we ended up in Corona, and I found a mentor, and I didn't even realize what had happened until later. I was, oh, he answered that prayer, and mm-hmm. I just didn't even yeah. see it, you know? You know, keep your eyes open. You know, he may he may not, like, if you ask for money, he may not throw money at you. He may show you how to make money, or he may, you know, provide a job, or, you know, keep your eyes open for how he's pr- answering your prayers, and, so, and that'll help you out. So one more verse, and I know you love this one, Pastor Brian. Uh, Hebrews eleven six and without faith mm-hmm. it is impossible. Remember, without faith in Christ, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And the second part of this I love, and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And I believe the more we pray in faith, the more He rewards us. Not necessarily mm-hmm. with the answer we exactly want, but the more He rewards us overall the more he blesses the more we pray in faith and the you know the psalmist uh psalm 37 i think uh, says delight yourself in the lord Hmm. and and he will give you the uh, desires of your heart Mm -hmm. so the desires of my heart are really uh directed by Mm. how i am delighting myself in the lord what delights the lord delights me and therefore my desires are redirected Hmm. 
Yeah, I think sometimes we misread that and say, you know, whatever I desire, he's going to give to me. But no, right. he's going <laughs> to give you what you want to desire, you know, kind of thing. Right. That, that should be backwards. Our, uh, our mindset. Yeah. Cool. 1-800-227-5278 is the number to call. Get those calls in. We still have a few minutes left. 1-800-227-5278. Let's go to this grab bag question. Looking at Luke 14.33. What does it mean when Jesus says, So therefore no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions? (laughs) Yeah, this is... uh one of the more challenging things that Jesus says. I mean, I think we're seeing a theme here (laughs) today. Um, Jesus says some crazy stuff, you know, some, some really audacious, some things that cause us to think and wonder, what is he, what does he mean by this? I mean, I was reading recently, it uh, might've been yesterday. I was reading about um, when Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. (laughs) It's better to go into heaven maimed than to go into hell, you know, with, with your body intact. And you're just like, what is he saying <laughs> there? This is definitely one of them, Luke 14, 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I don't think Jesus is saying here that you have to sell all of your possessions. Mm-hmm. You have to give up all of your family members in order to go to heaven. Uh, because now, like Joe was saying earlier, that now that's a formula for salvation. The formula is self-denial. And if you deny yourself of everything, then you'll be righteous or you'll be right with God. I, I believe what Jesus is saying here is that looking inward, looking at your heart, do you desire me first or do you desire something else first? And if there's anything else besides me, that you're putting first, that you need to renounce. Yeah, and this particular one, if we look at it in the context, because what Brian said was exactly right. Jesus used hyperbole at times, um, but it was to make a good, strong point that he always has to be above everything else in our life. And so in giving up our possessions, you know, first of all, we have to take all the Bible into context. Everybody in the in the book of Acts had given up their possessions, and nobody would have had any money to give to the church at Jerusalem or anything else. Each person has a role to play, and we, we see that within spiritual gifts. But in this very context here, he's talking about co- counting the cost. Yes. This is what he's teaching on here. And I have to admit, this, this is something I, I, in my early Christian years, did not really take to heart. That sometimes when you choose to do something, you can go, well, by faith, I'm just going to go ahead and do this, and I'm going to trust God and just go out there and do it, and never count the cost. Mm. And then I realized the cost was higher than I really wanted to pay. And that's what he's teaching here. You don't start to build a tower and, and, and do it and then go, oh, wait, I, I need some money here to finish this tower. A king doesn't go to war without figuring out what well, good king would figure out, can I win this war first before I go out and do it? So he's saying you got to count the cost. And he's saying in the same way, you, to become a disciple of mine, you better realize that there's going to be a cost. And that cost is that you are now going to put me first and foremost and above every other thing in your life. And whatever I call you to do, whether it's uh, giving up you know, all of your money like he asked the rich young ruler, he may do that. He may ask you to do that. He may ask you to go out into a mission field that you never thought you would go to and 
you know, like my wife, first question would be, well, Lord, is there bugs there? You know, I mean, so, you know, he may ask you to do something. You need to count the cost. And that cost is, okay, God, whatever it is you ask me to do, that's what I am willing to do. Who's first in your life? Yeah. Even to the point of giving up your own life. And, what, what, you know, the rich young ruler who came and said, hey, what must I do? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you know, I fulfilled the whole law. Go and sell your possessions. And he walked away. Right. And in, in that instance... Like that, that wasn't a formula that, you know, you have to sell all, all of your right. riches in order to be saved. The problem was that was his one thing mm-hmm. that he was one, unwilling to give up. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. It's, it's open-ended. So what's that one thing in my heart and in our hearts that we refuse to give up? That's what Jesus is calling us to renounce for his yeah. sake. Mm-hmm. Well, for some of us around here, it was the Steelers, but the, st- mm. the Steelers are not that one thing this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And guys, you know, how, how many of you are willing to give up your sixty-inch flat screen? You know. Yep. Uh, I, I talk about it all the time, actually. <laughs> and and I, I actually don't mean that too facetiously. I think the point is here is that so many things can get in our way of following Jesus, and he he's. You know, God is so amazing where he most of the time allows you to figure it out. You know, he gives you time to go, wait a minute. I see that, you know, I have a choice between uh, maybe staying home. Of course, now that we can record games all the time, it, it doesn't matter much. But I have a choice of either doing that or, or going to church. Or I ha- have a choice of, you know, um, buying a $60,000 car or buying a $30,000 car and taking $30,000 and giving it to ministry. We face these choices every day of our life, don't we? We do. Yeah. You know, I have a practical example of this. I know we have about a minute left here. Um, I, I, I bought a tablet for the purpose of using it for ministry, you know, to study with it, download all my books on it and stuff. But I ended up getting obsessed with this one certain game. <laughs> and I, we, I got it Pokemon so Go? good. It was, it is before Pokemon <laughs> Go, right? And uh, it, it, it got so bad. I was on a team. That, I was on a worldwide <laughs> team. We were 10th in the world, oh, wow. this, this team that I was on. And I was spending so much time on this, like trying to fit it in in between sermon preparations and all this stuff. I got five minutes here and trying to trying to do it. What I ended up doing one time is I was putting my kids in the car and I set my tablet up on top of my car and I drove off. And I didn't realize it for a couple hours later that I had left my tablet up there. I re, you know, redid my steps to, to try to find it. Never was able to find it. God taught me that lesson. Amen. I need to renounce everything for nice. his sake. Bible Answer Show is produced by Shane Lance and Cameron Thomas. Thank you to everybody that called in today. Thank you for our panel. And uh, we will catch you next time on the Bible. Oh, thank you to Joel, our call screener. Sorry, man. I almost forgot you. Uh, we'll catch you next time on the Bible Answer Show.